So hello and welcome to episode 17 of the Salop Cast for this season with myself, Glenn Price, and not joined by Ollie Warner this week. I am joined by Ed Plimmer, who we'll come to in a minute, but for those of you who've been listening in the last few weeks, Ollie Warner has had his first child, a little boy um, called Benjamin, Benjamin Warner. Um, so welcome to the world on behalf of the podcast. Some good news, isn't it, Aid? Um, I'm sure that it's always it's always good to have another town fan being brought into the into well, the equation. <laughs> first of all, congratulations to Ollie and Becky. Well done on that one. Yep. Uh, and yeah, welcome to the fold, Ben. Uh, it's going to be a long, hard struggle for <laughs> this football team of ours, but it does bring you some joy occasionally. It does, yeah. I mean, I, and we did. I obviously been talking to Ollie this week and uh, couldn't convince him to bring a, a four or five year old baby to uh, to Cheltenham at the weekend. So no, a bit of a shame, but we, you know, we, we'll work on him for Carlisle away. I'm sure that'll be another op- opportunity to take your baby to the first game. I think I think we think we might not see him there. But um, Ollie obviously is uh, dealing with uh, newborn baby and late nights, and even at seven o'clock on a Sunday, he said he needed some beauty sleep. So uh, all fair enough. I've been through the whole situation myself so um yes ollie will be back at some point down the line but in the in the intervening period we were having guests back around my house so aid so yeah welcome back on the podcast aid and i said you're the first person to come and record around my house since pre-covid so you must feel a bit privileged yeah absolutely <laughs> it's, a, it's, a, it's a major honor as ever to come on the podcast and to be doing it obviously live face to face I think it shows we moved on with the pandemic. However, yes. as a health and safety manager, maybe I wouldn't disagree. With well, yeah, agree I agree with it. Even I, I've had I've had COVID as, as talked about on the podcast now. So um, yeah, hopefully you won't be catching off me. It's a lot <laughs> long gone. But um, I suppose before we get into Saturday's game at Cheltenham um, and. Uh, yeah, a couple of controversial moments and difficulties for the town, I suppose, by the end of it. I thought it was probably worth catching up with you about the season so far, really, because I think you came on maybe maybe a couple of games into the season. We weren't we weren't too far along, and um, obviously it didn't really pick up for quite a while until the last couple of games. But don't know where are you at with this season yet? What what kind of panic mode are you at with with relegation battles? Yeah, you you freaking out too much, or still trying to keep keep a lid on it? Um, I'd probably try and keep a lid on it. I, I think um, you know my overall view is that Cottrell probably isn't the man for the job. I'll be Quite okay. upfront and honest about that. Uh, again, I think I said last time I'm, you know, I'm here to be proved wrong. If yeah. you like, um, I, I think unfortunately Cottrell is one of these guys, and I was a big fan of him before he came to the town. That maybe football has moved on, and I think it's shown. Uh, and then basically he's had a disastrous transfer window, <laughs> as we know, and we're starting to see the fruits of that labour. Mm. Um, and he, he's pretty prickly, isn't he, with some of our local press correspondents, which is a bit disappointing. Um, I think overall, though, if you look at the team and how the team's performed in the last two or three games, you'd have to say that there are some signs of us improving, but yep. what's going to hit us is suspensions and injuries, and we're going to start seeing that over the next couple of games, especially when you're playing the big teams. You need your best players there. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I mean, you know, we've had certain players who've had to go into... Uh, who are certainly ranked pegs in sort of square holes. <laughs> and I think people like Leahy have uh, have come to the fore, haven't they? Yep. been absolutely amazing. Um, so, you know, even yesterday, I think Godot will we'll talk about that, but, you know, I thought his strike yesterday showed how he's progressing. Mm. But we, we need, we mean more of those. We don't need your Sam Cosgroves, with all due respect to Sam. <laughs> um, bless him. I really hope his career blossoms after his Leicester's <laughs> football club. Um, because... Yeah, he's just not up to the mustard. So I'm not in a I'm not in a panic mode. I'm you know if we get relegated, we get relegated. I think what the football club 
then needs to do is, is Steve Cottrell the right man to get us out of League 2? Mm. Uh, I don't think he's the right man to keep us in League 1. So, no. But again, I want to see if he can prove me wrong, and if uh, if he can, great. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting. We're going into a run of games against those bigger teams, which he had a better record against last season than some of the smaller teams. So you never know what could happen in the next few weeks. But yeah, it's fascinating. Everybody's got a, a standpoint on Cottrell, haven't they? It's 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 going to be good over the next few weeks if with, with Ollie misses a few more than, than, than he might has been over the years um, to get some guests on and kind of figure out where people are at with Cottrell. But it's... It's tricky, isn't it? And I think um, a lot of people would agree with what you just said there. But we, we always want to be proved wrong. We don't mm-hmm. want to see our football club struggling. And, and I looked at the table at the end of yesterday, and despite some of the positives we might talk about from yesterday's performance, it is a bit frustrating to see us still stuck down there with a hard run coming up now. So I, I don't know. It's it's going gonna, it's gonna to be tricky, isn't it? But um, I, I don't know. Uh, you said, is Steve Cottrell the right man to take us out to League Two? If we're, if we're in the relegation zone with 20 games to go, I, well, we're almost at that point now. I wouldn't want him here. I, I mm-hmm. think we'd be changing. But we, sh- we shall see, Aid. It's, it's been an interesting one. But... You talked about some positives there, and as much as we're going to talk about a loss, I suppose there were some positives to come out of yesterday. So um, yeah, we'll we'll crack on really to uh, the Saturday game. Well, what a revelation Shrewsbury have been! Full of ideas, full of confidence, and a lot of football. Maguire's caught a chance. So, yes, Saturday, Shrewsbury Town uh, went away to Cheltenham for the first time in quite a while um, and came away having lost 2-1. Goals through Thomas uh, on 24 minutes, which was a penalty, and Joseph on 66 minutes, and our goal early doors through Danny Addo on four minutes and one red card, which we will almost certainly discuss in some detail in a minute, Aid. Um, So, yeah, a few stats, really. It's been a while since we looked at the stats because we've been on a good run, Aid. Um, So (laughs) it kind of gone back to a bit more neutral, but, um, yeah, I have have a few stats, unfortunately. Um, Sitting in the ground, and I'll come to who I sat by. Well, I sat by Chris Hudson, who's been on the podcast a few times, and we were talking about the last time Town won a game away from home, uh, sorry, any game uh, that we'd been uh, a man down in the first half from, and when we'd obviously gone on to win, because it clearly doesn't happen very much. And he was under the view that it it happened quite a lot under, um, of all people, Kevin Ratcliffe, which I think we talked about the two Plymouth games that season where we went down to 10 yeah. men and won. And I did wonder when the last time it happened was. So I had a look. Um, yes, it was 2011, 2012. Marvin Morgan got sent off after 28 minutes against Southend at home, and we went on to win. So it hasn't happened that many times, and obviously didn't happen on a Saturday, unfortunately. So um, it was just worth looking at how long we've been waiting for it for a win with 10 men um, like that but yes we are now two points behind where we were last season Um, obviously not a great sign at the moment and in terms of that Ricketts um, Cottrell comparison that we've done a few times um, uh, Cottrell reached his 50th game as manager on Saturday um, and he's a point less than Ricketts at that point in time and it's an interesting comparison isn't it Aid? you know the, the the sort of comparison with Ricketts and Cottrell in that you know everyone was kind of very negative about where we were with um, with Ricketts and, and Cottrell still seems to lag behind him yeah you can't really understand it can you no <laughs> because when Cottrell came in I think you know Christopher Wave we all thought he was the right appointment I certainly did Um and after Sam Ricketts, you know, who was another experiment in football, if you like, as mm. as I'd asking Paul Hurst in, in to a degree, uh, you, you thought, yeah, you know, we've got a guy who's an experienced manager, he's going to put everything right, and, you know, this season will kick on. And um, again, th- th- there's just so many questions that need to be asked and answered because why have we got to this situation? Why, why is Steve Cottrell? And, and people will say, okay, yeah, okay, he had COVID. Yeah, really unfortunate. We're all chuffed mm. that he come through it, absolutely. But something, obviously somewhere isn't right. Mm. You know, the, the summer transfer window we keep alluding to, why did that, you know... And we've had some poor transfer windows with the other guys, to be fair. <laughs> you know, even Paul Hurst, to be fair. That January window will yeah, haunt us forever, won't it? It will, won't it? And, and I think, again, you look back and think, well, 
So, so what is it? Is it that Cottrell goes to these big names that we've got no hope of getting? Mm. Or or is it that he runs with a small squad? But, you know, we're four players down, aren't we? Yep. If we've got four players now, you know, I think even on the performance of Saturday, I think we'd start to think, oh, yeah, you've got an opportunity here. We'll do all right. It's just a bit of a blip this season. Yeah. Next season we'll kick on. This is where it leads me to having no confidence in the manager because if he believes that Sam Crosgrove is the answer coming <laughs> on, I, 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 I just, you know, I'm just at a loss really. Yeah. But it is disappointing that he's now behind Ricketts. I heard a couple of phone calls on the the way back on Saturday. You know, a couple of guys said about John Askey. We didn't give him enough time. Well, again, that that's the same thing. John Askey shouldn't have been appointed. We no. panicked. Sam Ricketts, in a lot of ways, shouldn't be appointed because he was a. You know, any experienced manager, yeah. untried, and, and we panicked. I don't think we panicked with Cottrell, that, that's for sure, but it just isn't working. No, and it, 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 is, it is a fundamental good point you make about there being a delineation between pre-COVID and post-COVID Steve Cottrell. His points per game post-COVID are abject compared to, you know, the pre-COVID where we went on that good run and, you know, we were mm. getting wins at teams we weren't expecting and we did feel like, you know, we've made a good choice. And, you know, whether it's had a long-term effect in, in terms of how he treats the job or how he thinks about anything, it's really impossible for us to tell and I wouldn't like to touch that personally because no. it's someone's medical history and someone's someone's personal life, I suppose. But there's, there's definitely been a delineation um, and, and I suppose you're right, that is affected by what the club have done and their strategy and all the things we talked about about that summer transfer window. So, but to fall Behind Ricketts again is just you know fifty games. That's a pretty good mark for a manager at a football club, isn't it? You know, season and a half sort of thing. Um, yeah, and to be behind Ricketts is a bit frightening. And Ricketts only lasted till about the seventieth game, so mm. he's got a bit of making up to do. Um, the good thing is that Ricketts hardly picked up any points in his last twenty games, so he <laughs> should slowly claw that back. To be honest with you, um, we've we've now scored. Um, the lowest amount of goals after 17 games in a League One season. Um, only 16 goals in 17 games, so less than one a game this season, which is kind of continuing that pattern from the end of last year. Um, and we've also conceded the second highest amount of goals in that period, um, in the League One period. And aid a, a staggeringly poor statistic, really, which is just getting worse week on week. One clean sheet in 23 games in all competitions this season. And... Where do you put that one down to in terms of why we've not been keeping clean sheets? We've seemingly had worse defenders and worse goalkeepers, and 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 you know kept more clean sheets in, in games. It seems it seems an odd one for me because at the start of the season I wouldn't have considered that that would be our problem area. No, I agree, and it's interesting. To look at the game again on Saturday and the goals we yeah. conceded. Uh, you know, I think you look at the uh, the penalty or the build up to the play before the penalty. And, and it, it's abject defending on quite a an horrific yeah. scale, and and I think also again I don't want to pick on individuals uh, but Pierre what mm. on earth is going on there because <laughs> it, heading wise fantastic but you look at the second goal there winner oh dear I mean he's just laboured and, and and there's no reaction mm. and, and again so is that down to man management is that down to the players wanting to be here is that down to we've just got a poor squad I don't think that's necessarily the case. Mm. There's individuals there for whatever reason. Either they're making mistakes and getting punished, which I think, yeah, sometimes that happens, or we're just we're just not good enough. No. Now, after the 20, you know, we'll come to the chat and game, but after the 20 minutes we played, which was probably some of the best football I think we've played in the last three or four years. Yeah, yeah, we'll get to that. You know, um, but, so I don't know. I don't understand why. Yeah. I think it could be a lot worse if you then think, right, you swap... Those players that we had back in the Andy Gerrards and the yeah, Whitbreads, those guys and the, the Lancashires and, and all those <laughs> and the the Red Miles, etc., etc. Et yeah. What they would be like, 
in this team and where we would maybe we'd be losing games by five or six instead of the odd one <laughs> so maybe that's the positive we've got to take out of it there we go well yeah it's just, it is fascinating how that's the thing that's dropped off when actually it was the thing we, we praised Ricketts for at least the one thing he had was a consistently good defence mm. that kept quite a lot of clean sheets but yeah that's def- definitely gone and we don't seem that much more attacking but there we go um, before we get to team selection and, and get straight into the game what was your pre-match like Aid? I believe you, you ended up at a social club that you hadn't visited for a few years yeah so uh, I drove on the Saturday, I left Shrewsbury about I was 12 quarters to one, yeah. so I just took a flyer uh, and I went to a place called the Parkhurst Community Social Club, which is right by the ground. Uh, they got a good park and it was a bit expensive, six pounds. But uh, <laughs> we went there uh, back in the day, it was a, a Chris Win Winnie bus, uh, and a load of us went. It was the first game that we played on Sky, ah, yeah, and yeah. we turned up at this, we ended up at this social club, and uh, yeah, it brought back some good memories of that that day, uh, which is quite funny because there's some really good real ale boozers on there, quite close to the ground. I it's good to, away, Dave. Yeah, I yeah. want to try and get there, but uh, yeah, so that's why I ended. I had a, a quick. Uh, a quick shandy as you do um, <laughs> before the game, and then entered uh, the stadium that is the uh, the Johnny Rock yeah, Stadium. The Johnny Rock Stadium. It's changed a lot since that first game we went in two thousand one. Yeah. To be fair, they've got a couple of new stands now, and but it's still a stadium that you quite like. It, it felt a little bit like Stratford Town in that one area where you've still got uh, a barrier right up against the pitch where people stand and watch over the barrier. It's like not many league clubs that have still got that nowadays, and they, they've got that on that one quarter of the of the pitch along the side of the pitch. So yeah, quite interesting. And it, obviously, you talk about there being memories of that game there, and obviously it brings back the memories of the promotion season, doesn't it? As yeah. well, and uh, I've talked about it a few times on the podcast, but one of one of the most emotional days I've had supporting the club because obviously we lost one of my best friends, Colin Bloomfield, and a lot of fans also knew that young lad Lloyd who Lloyd, passed away, yeah. and the shirts at the end of the game. And I remember being on tears on the pitch. So it's always it's the first time we've been back to that stadium since that day we've not played at Cheltenham since then so yeah just I, I kind of kind of had a little moment in there really sitting with my kids who, who remember Colin and yeah just just thinking about him for that moment and um, yeah I think there would have been a lot of fans that were remembering that day because it's stuck with a lot of us didn't it but yeah. yeah flipping it around the other way talking about you know people going to their f- f- to football and stuff I had another child <laughs> I dragged uh, one of my, my two children's friends along with them on Saturday for their very first game of football aid wow very first game of football Cheltenham versus Shrewsbury Town what an introduction to the world of live football yeah the floodlights <laughs> the, 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 the chanting the yeah. you know I suppose it's a good little ground to go to for your first game isn't yes. it in a lot of ways it's you know Cheltenham's quite a I think ambient town, I think yeah. would be the nicest way nice to day. put it. Yeah. Uh, you know, generally good, friendly folk. Uh, so, yeah, well, I hope uh, it hasn't put them up, but if I can give anybody a, a sort of uh, positive edit, the first game I ever saw, Tame, we lost 1-0. Oh, there so, you go. Uh, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. I, I did as well, way of crew, so there we go. My first game was an away game as well, and I think that was one of the reasons I got hooked, is that experience of travelling away somewhere and that kind of whole thing. But who knows? I'll, I'll wait to find out from their, from their parents if they were keen on coming again. But it was a kind of a day of it, a day of first, really, because when I went, when I went, into the stadium as I said I mentioned Chris Hudson and he'd taken his son to his first away game ever he'd been to a couple right. of home games I bumped into an old uh, person that me and you know from the away sport was a guy called Jamie Edge who took his son to his first away game so I think there was quite a lot of firsts on Saturday which was which was quite nice and um, so yeah so it was good it was a nice little pre-match kind of meeting to be we bumped into someone who listens to the podcast called Tim so I thought I'd better mention him sort of shook his hand and, and introduced myself to him but um, yeah nice build up into the game kind of got in there and let's talk about how many we took aid Six, six hundred and three, six hundred four, something like that. Cracking attendance away so, from that. You know, we're this rubbish team at the moment that's doing nothing, <laughs> and five hundred people buy tickets in advance due to obviously the the maybe we also need to talk this about the you know horrendous cost of the admission. Terrible. To yeah. Twenty eight pound on the day, and yet a hundred people still racked up and did that. So. 
I remember sort of in the late nineties, early two thousand, we went to Chester, we took seven fifty on a Saturday. Yeah. And now we're taking, you know, when we're rubbish, over six hundred people. Mm. So I think that, you know, town fans deserve a lot of credit for that. Yeah, and I talk, I want to talk about fans. We go through a game because you know I, there was a there was a fair argument to say they were the roaring us on at a certain point during that game. But unfortunately, yeah, I was one of those people that had to pay the horrendous prices um, mm. because I went to go and get my tickets on Friday because they were waiting for a second batch. And as 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 usual with work at the moment, I got stuck on a work call, came off it, went to go and go up the meadow. I think it was about half past eleven, quarter to twelve. Put Twitter on, and they were like, "We sold out of our second batch already." So I was wow. like, "Oh, I'm buggered." So sixty-four quid. I forked over to uh, Cheltenham. Absolutely scandalous for a League well, One let's, game. Let's hope they spend it nicely <laughs> and you know improve, you know, make some further improvements to the stadium. But, yeah, yeah let, let's hope they uh, can get rid of that bit along the side one day. But um, yeah. so there we go. So pre-match, as I say, it was nice, nice atmosphere bubbling up in there, and um, I think yeah, town certainly gave the fans uh, uh, who were pretty vociferous from the start something to get excited about in those first. You know, obviously we scored our four minutes, but even those first few minutes. We looked on it from this straight away, didn't we? We did. There was only that one sort of little hiccup with Pennington, wasn't there, where he fell yes. over and gave a yeah. handball. Quite, quite fortunately, he wasn't in the penalty area. But then, yeah, that was really there. Then it was just wave after wave, and and you just thought, well, when Odoi scored, you mm. just thought, well, you know, by how many are we going to win today? Two or three, I thought at that yeah. point. Yeah. I thought it was going to be a good win for Town because Charlton, what they were doing was trying to pass it out from the back. And when you're doing that at our level, you've got to be bob on. You've got to be absolutely bob on. And Leahy come in, didn't he, and took the ball away from the Brilliant. guy. Great ball into Odo. And what I loved about Odo was his strength. And we've wanted him to do that for such a long time. He uses his pace, uses his strength. And he got off a really good shot. Yep. So it was a great start, great goal. And I said it was just a question then. I thought, well... If we can win here by two or three, yeah. this will be a decent performance. For yeah. us. I think it's, it's good on the goal. I thought, uh, I think your observation of two things there is really good. One, it felt a little bit like that MK Dons game where we beat them four-one last season, where they tried to bat from the back and we were right on it from the from the start of the game. We pressed them in the right areas, we got the ball high up, and we tra- transitioned that into goals. It felt like it was going to be one of those games, and the mm. goal came from exactly that. As you say, I better pushed up on his side and left them with no space. Leahy then went and nicked the ball from from the other guy who was suddenly not finding a pass. Um, and you're right from there. And and I've been knocking Ado uh, for a while for a lack of goals. And yeah. I've been praising him in the last few weeks because he'd been sitting deeper and playing that slightly new role. And I think he's been excellent in that role. But sadly, it was the kind of performance I want to see from him. Um, obviously, we drifted out after they got the red card. But that's the sort of performance I want to see from him if he's going to play right up front. And I can definitely see a partnership with him and Bowman a little mm. bit if if evidence of Saturday was it. Because Bowman was excellent in that opening period as well, chasing people down. So, you know, I'm, I'm here again. Like you said at the start, this to be proved wrong. I'd love to be proved wrong that Ado is going to suddenly turn into maybe getting 15 league goals in a season but definitely definitely an improved performance for him during these early stages and um, I thought it, I thought it was really good the finish and the turn on the day I thought he made a when he did the turn and knocked the ball out to the right it looked like he kind of miscontrolled it but actually watching it back today was quite good he de- definitely meant to do that so good goal great limbs I thought the crowd went mad yeah, on that one absolutely did. good good goal to celebrate Aid. yeah absolutely <laughs> I think we're all a little bit oh my lord yeah. oh my god you know we scored early on uh, but then again, it, it was just we looking at everybody. I was, you know, talking to a couple of people by me, and they're just saying, "Yeah, come on, this should be two or three Because yeah. then Charlton were nothing, and I thought we got them. We got their number. And it's, it, one of the things I was saying about the start then about the partnership is I, I was really impressed with Bowman in the early spell. He really is like a part of his game that I didn't think we'd see when he joined. I thought he was a bit of a finisher, sniff around the edge of the box, James Collins-esque. And I suppose James Collins did this as well, actually, to be fair, which is where, maybe where those comparisons come from. He harries centre-backs, doesn't he? He didn't give that um, centre-back, uh, slightly balding centre-back, I think it was the number six for Cheltenham, any time at all during a game. And if there was ever a headed challenge, even though this guy was much taller than him, he always challenged him. And he was forcing mistakes, wasn't he? And I think it's a side of Bowman's game that 
we really kind of need and, and have been sort of it's been helpful during this slightly better run hasn't it yeah absolutely and I think you know in terms of partnership Bowman and Udell are the, are the two aren't they yeah uh, I think the other guys have sort of got to try and feed him and, and eventually this is where Bloxham will come in won't he but yeah, yeah no those two are doing really well no, I think Bowman, Bowman was class to be fair um, and yeah that was kind of what was helping us for so many corners Absolutely. I think we had seven, eight corners, didn't we? Did you wish we were better at corners in that situation? <laughs> well, I, th- I think Ollie always says that, don't we? We're that great at corners, are we? And then we score one every now and again. I think we've just, again, you then need your centre-halves to, to react. They were trying to do the, uh, the, the the train into the into the box, weren't they? And, yeah. and I, I think what they need to do maybe is just d- don't do that so often, split off a little bit earlier. And I think if they do that, they cause problems. Yeah. But I think the fact we got so many corners... Was because we had so much pressure, massive, and Cheltenham just couldn't deal with it. No, they couldn't. It was it was frustrating because obviously we'll talk about the context of the game. A second goal, and we've killed it off, and we won it, haven't we? There's no chance Cheltenham are getting back in it. And obviously we're getting to 23 minutes now with the red card. Do you think that was the best start we'd had to any of the games, home or away, all season? Yes. Yeah, I yeah. think so. It's good, good, good progress, isn't it? And and that's why. That's why we'll get to the red card. But to me, that's why it felt so much more deflating when we did eventually shoot ourselves in the foot. Yeah, absolutely. I think, <laughs> I think again. It was such a positive start and it was great to see. And mm. then maybe if you did have doubts in the management or the team, that was certainly the time you thought, well, you know, maybe I'm a little bit wrong here because looking at the way we played in Cheltenham or a mid-table League One team, mm-hmm. I thought, well, there's no problem, is it? There's going to be no problem for us this season if we play like that and that style of play, you know, pressing game. Okay, depends on how the opposition are playing. I get that. And Cheltenham are a side that will play it from the back. Yeah. But... Yeah, we just look miles above them. Absolute miles. Yeah. I'm glad you said that. I think it's really keen for the, you know, obviously we took 600, but there's a fair few thousand that didn't end up being there. But it's really, really keen for us to say, I personally thought it was the best we played for the opening 20 minutes of any game this season in Cup or League. It was it was really good, high-intensity stuff. Go back and look at my tweets from that period of the game. I thought that the pressing, Vela and Davis were absolutely everywhere during that opening spell and just needed one more goal. And it certainly didn't need what happened on 23 minutes to happen, Aid, because this completely changed the context of the game. But... Talk us through it. You're enjoying this game. What are you watching down the other end of the pitch suddenly? So it, it seemed like <laughs> Cheltenham, you know, were just going to start to have a bit of a spell. And yeah. Everything well, okay, they're fine. And then you watch the interchange of passes. Oh, better seems to lose. Uh, it was the number 17. I can't remember his name now yeah. for them. Who actually had a really good game. Um, and there seems then a ball comes across the box. And, you know, you see our defenders in a line. And you think, OK, well, that, that's fine. So a couple of people are sort of stick out limbs, tip out legs. It goes to a Cheltenham player who actually does very well. He sort of makes Pennington dive in. So Pennington then dives in and then gets off a shot. And then the next thing, you know, because we're right behind it, Aaron. Miles away. But we can, and then you can see and you think, oh, I forgot, why has he done that? <laughs> So you think, well, uh, what, what's happening here? Well, it's a definite penalty and yeah. it could be a red. And of course it was. Um, if that's the last minute of a game... Fair enough. Yeah. Do it. You know, not a problem. You never know. It, it could be a penalty save or a penalty miss. 23 minutes in, right, if they score, it's 1-1. That's our first attack. Yeah. We just turn it around. Off we go again. We'd have won 3-1. Yeah, exactly. And, and I think that's the frustrating thing for me with, with that goal. And, and Bennett, I'm sure, will hold up his hand and say, look, I'm sorry, you know, I apologise, blah, blah. But I think sometimes, again, that's where you need your big players to step up. Mm. You need your big players to, to take responsibility. And then I think all I then saw from the town players was a lot of pointing, shouting. Lee, he was having to go around better. He was, yeah. Um, 
you know, and, and then I thought, well, here we go again. And Morosi wasn't that far off from saving it, was he? He was so close. close. Yeah, I looked at it on the replay today. He's, he's fingertips away from tipping it around yeah. the post. It's, it's really unfortunate. And and there's been a lot of discussion, obviously prompted by what Cottrell said, and we'll get to that at the end of the game, about double jeopardy and the, the rule that came in. Um, I had a look, it came in into the 16-17 season, this rule of double jeopardy. If someone makes a foul in the box and it's purely accidental, but you'll say last man... It's d- double jeopardy will apply. You will probably you will give the penalty away and you will be booked. And we've seen it happen in games. You've seen games on the telly where yeah. the double jeopardy rule has been applied. Yeah. But the thing I don't think well, either Cotter didn't know this or was being a bit of a, a clever ass about it is that double jeopardy this rule only applies if the referee thinks it was accidental. Now clearly on the day he's looked at what Elliot Bennett's done. He's on the line. He sticks his hand out. Ball goes wide. I can't tell from the replay, and I certainly couldn't tell on Saturday, it was too far away, whether I personally thought it was a deliberate handball. But if the referee thought it was deliberate, then double jeopardy does not apply, and it is a penalty and a red card. So I think that the, you know, the referee probably had a better view of it than we did on the day, mm. and it's impossible to tell because there's a man standing in front of him on the replay. Um, but yeah, it looks to me like it, if he thinks it's considered to be deliberate, then double jeopardy doesn't apply, and, and fair enough to the referee on that one. But um, yeah, it, does, it did feel like a double blow, didn't it? <laughs> yeah, it did. And I think, again, it just talked to some people at half-time, we were all saying there was just no need for him to do that. No. Last minute of going, yeah, do it all day long. But I, I just don't know why he did it. But somebody said, oh, it was just natural instinct to do it. Put your knee up, get yeah. your head in the way, try and get your body in the way. And then if you fail and the goal goes in, getting it's 1-1. All right, they, they, they've scored a goal. We regroup. We just do what we would do. And they said, we go on and win the game 3-1. It, yeah. it, it, it just, I don't know. I, I think it... It just doesn't make sense to me. And again, maybe this is one of those games we'll look back on in years to come and say, OK, that was the game probably that we, we confirmed we were going to go down because... Because <laughs> we, we had it on a plate and we gave yeah, it away, yeah. Think back to that Millwall game under Paul Hurst where uh, the ball comes across, Tony gives it to Dodd, scores, and we win 1-0, don't we? And yeah. Millwall fans are giving it all that. <laughs> you need those big games and those big moments, don't you? And, yeah. and, and I did wonder then, I thought, hang on, if we, we don't come through this, maybe that's one of the, you know, that'll be a sign. Yeah. My, my feeling coming home was it, was it was town today found a way to not win a game they should have won. And I know we're only talking about 23 minutes of a game, but it was so obvious how the game was going. And to me, that's, that was my override emotion coming home, really. But poor decision-making from an experienced player. I, I've got very little sympathy for, for players who do, do that sort of thing if it's deliberate. Um, but I, I can't actually be too hard on him because it's impossible to tell how stupidly deliberate it was from the replay and on the day so um, upsetting and annoying one game suspension when we've got no cover at right back is not ideal aid is it? No it's <laughs> not it's not I, I did wonder if it was going to be three um, yeah it's only one for it three, is isn't it? Yeah, so. so that's good um, yeah it's not and again we'll come back we'll talk about what we talked about earlier it's the depth of the squad yeah, exactly. and this is exactly then what you don't need yeah, even Cottrell said that he was talking about round pegs and square holes. So we've got Cottrell saying that phrase now. So you know we're in trouble, don't you? But there we go. Um, yeah, and and that was it really for most of the rest of the half. I think you know that the half went on quite quite um, dominant from from Cheltenham, as you can imagine. We sort of settled in with a with a four four two for the rest of that half, um, which seemed to still give us a little bit of a counter attack at times, but we, we didn't really threaten too much. I think the, the the only thing that really stood out for the rest of that half was Morosi because he made two good saves, one incredible save I think, mm. but first one was from a, a deflected shot from inside the box where he got down quite quickly and then there was one which was I thought was really good looking back where it was crossed the back post and Carver Sells coming in around the back 
you know, only five yards away from goal at back post and he, and he does really well to save it. And, uh, you know, we keep trying to praise Morosi and, and putting him in our top threes because he's played well in a lot of games this season. I, I feel so bad for him, the lack of clean sheets. He's, he certainly doesn't deserve the lack of clean sheets, does he, surely? No, he doesn't. <laughs> but I think, again, maybe this shows the difference sort of between this team, this squad and, say, 2002-3 or something like that. Yeah. Because... We have got some really good players who who actually are probably keeping scores down for us. Yep. Um, and I think that's the difference, you know, rather than get dumped five one at Cheltenham, we've only lost two one. Yeah, that's fair. So, you know, Morosi did make it again though that oh better wasn't tracking back. He was poor on Saturday. Yeah. And and you sort of think, well, why is that? He was great going forward. Yep. That's not you know, first twenty three, he was brilliant. But tracking back, he, he just looked like he, lo- he looked lost, didn't he? He is a more attacking player than he is a defensive player. Yeah. We've always said that. And it was clear when we were really trying to sit in and keep it down to 1-1. You know, he was the first player that we brought off. And he brought him off for Pierre, didn't he? He put Nurse to left back, you know, left wing back as a more trusted defensive player. And had the three usual centre-backs. Um, and, and then, um, yeah, and, and, and Vela on right back, right, right wing back. So it's clear that, you know, in, in a situation where we're trying to defend for our lives, Cottrell doesn't rate him as the, as the defensive option there. So no. I didn't think he had his best game. But he has been good in recent weeks in those more attacking performances. Sure. So we've got to balance that really. But half time, yeah, obviously got in at, at, at one at one one really, and, and still in the game, I suppose, at that point in time. Um, wondering what we do, and Cottrell made some changes at half time in terms of tactics. And as I said, Vela dropped into right back. We played five at the back from that point onwards. I don't know what did you make make of that move really? It was kind of playing for the one one, I thought. Yeah, I suppose it was just trying to nullify Cheltenham because what Cheltenham then were doing, they had that uh, space to stop pinging the ball about yeah. because we weren't being able to force them back. So I think we had to try and do something to at least hold them and then yeah, try and hit them on the break. So we knew we got a Derwin and Bowman and we thought, well, yeah, we, we can do that. And then it's just hoping then that you've got a better just pushing up and, mm. and trying to join in as best they could and, and Lee, obviously, as well. So yeah. I, I thought, yeah, I, I understood the change. It made sense to me. Yeah, I think that's fair enough. Um, it's, it's funny, there's a thing now, I noticed a few people around me talking about Lee, he is like an automatic yellow card every game. He does love to find challenges. He's so committed and, and so hard-working and stuff. And it's not because he's violent or, you know, he's not he's not um, a bad player and he's making mistimed tackles. He's just putting himself around, really. And I quite like that about him and the way he's played the last few weeks. So, But he did, in that, he did in second half, get his custom yellow card. So <laughs> there we go. And I, and I thought, you know, after that change, we did all right. We sat in deep. Um, we, we didn't counter-attack all that much, but... We were organised, we were committed, and they all worked really hard in that opening sort of 10 to 15 minutes of the second half. You know, we weren't going to create too much, but you couldn't, you couldn't really knock the trying to play for 1-1 approach and, and how well they settled into that more defensive unit for, for the start of that half. Well, I think Cheltenham were just trying to maybe sort of play with us a little bit, weren't they? They were mm. toying with us, and, and I think what they were trying to just trying to find out was had we got anything going forward that we could hurt them with. And I think once they found out that we couldn't, then they turned the screw. They came on more and more as they yeah. went on, that's for sure. And they did miss a couple of good chances. Um, there was one really good counter-attack they had um, where, they, where they sprang away. Eventually ended up playing it across to, to Carl Vassell, who, let's be honest about it, if Carl Vassell could finish, we would have lost that game by about four or five. But thank God, as, as we proved when he played for us, he, he simply can't finish all that well. He missed a couple of really good chances second half. so um, And that was before, obviously, they went on to get their winners. So we were, we were sort of holding on in there. And I, and I found this quite fascinating on the day, is that just... The Cheltenham fans were silent, you know, the town fans were singing mm. football in a library. They're, they're not the most vociferous. And I've talked about one of my best mates who I went to university with, who's a Cheltenham fan. I obviously mention him every time Cheltenham's are in the news or we play Cheltenham. And, um, you know, he, he's always said, you know, they're not the loudest and it takes a lot It takes a lot to rouse the Cheltenham fans. So um, they were quite quiet. But just before they scored on 66 minutes, maybe 65, there was just an audible annoyance from them that they hadn't broke us down. We'd sat in deep, they couldn't break us down and they just got annoyed. And I was thinking, oh, 
the crowd are about to turn. That normally helps the defensive team. They get a bit more snatchy at chances. Unfortunately, like 35 seconds later, they <laughs> they scored. So, um, yeah, it was a bit a bit frustrating, really, because I thought the crowd had just turned and it was just a bit of bad luck from town. But, yeah, a bit of, the goal was obviously right in front of us. I don't know what you made of that, that second clinching goal. Poor. Yeah. Really poor. Pierre, just very laboured. Uh, a good uh, pass again by their 17. Really uh, cut it through. But what you then saw was the town defence again not reacting. Mm. Uh, very laboured, and that's all of them. Yeah. Uh, for the guy to get a goal from a, a ball come back off the post. There's one Tottenham had today, wasn't it? Exactly the same. Um, you know, if you're at a team and you're defending, you defend as a unit, Pierre to me just give up. You, you can see in his body language that the ball hits the post and instead of trying to react to it, he's, he's sort of going, oh, well, you know, and then that guy goes in and scores. Mm. But you look at the rest of the, the, the you know, even Ebanks Landale, who I thought, to be fair, he was in decent a, on the day, yeah. had a pretty decent game, didn't he? Um, he looked across and then there was Leahy going again and I just thought, yeah, guys, come on. Mm. You know, we, we were almost trying to get back in the game here and yeah. Uh, yeah. it just, yeah. It, it, Any time a ball comes back with a post and it, it goes to an opposition player in the six-yard box and there's no one within five yards of them, you know the defence have not been picking up their markers and stuff, have you? And that's exactly what happened. The guy obviously kind of finished it easily past Morosi, who was sort of stranded a little bit and um, right in front of the town fans. And it was, it was just that kind of like... Yeah, that that's it. You know, he, he didn't see us really creating all that much. And we'll come to what how the rest of the game ended up. Obviously, it was only 20 minutes left from that point in time. But yeah, I suppose it is one of those ones where you can say sometimes the bounce off the post is lucky or unlucky, but you make your own luck in football, don't you? And um, the, the, the pressure had been building, as you said, after that sort of early spell where we'd settled in quite nicely. Cheltenham, you're right, had kind of started to figure out ways past us. And it was noticeable. They were playing some nice little triangles on the edge of the box that was, was getting us all confused and dragging Lee out of position. Mm. Then they'd switch it middle and find the space. So you're completely right with that. But... Yeah, I, I felt like personally felt like we were out of it as soon as we went two one down. I, yeah. I just couldn't see us getting back into it, particularly with the lack of goals we scored this season, as we mentioned at the start of the podcast. So, yeah, I, I just you know after the goal there wasn't. Yeah, I, there's two things about the goal. I thought if you if you're in that situation, you're a man down and you 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 only you're losing two one. You've got twenty minutes left in the game. Is it worth a mad gamble? Is it worth you know just saying let's balls to the five at the back? We've already conceded now. Behind, we need a goal. I, I quite like to see us. I would have quite liked to have seen us take one of those defenders off and, and put one of the strikers on and go for a three up front, maybe play direct, maybe play a bit different with Boxmore or Cosgrove up front. But he left it ages after the goal to make any changes. And when he did, they were both like for like. I, I thought it was a bit like, we've lost this game, we just need to save Bowman and Ado for the next game. That was the only thing I could see yeah, about Yeah, and I think the thing was, if that was the case, then why do a straight swap? Yeah. I, I, I just, yeah, I, I, I saw, you know, Cosgrove warming up and I thought, well, here we go. <laughs> And that there were some quite audible boos where we were. Oh really? Uh, yeah. Oh, I didn't notice that yeah. on the day. Interesting. Um, yeah. So. Oh I gosh. Think, uh, yeah, I he's think that was well, good. He's back out of pike in the pecking order now. He must be what? delighted. Yeah. <laughs> so there we go. His things looking up for Cosgrove. That's, that's but if you were going to save their legs, you might as well have subbed them off on sixty-six minutes. He left yeah. it until really late on. So uh, very, very odd. Um, I thought we could have tried to do it, but even then, when we made the subs, as I say, we still played five at the back, chasing a game which. To be honest with you, Cheltenham weren't great, and so you know maybe okay. putting the pressure on them might have paid some dividends. So yeah. frustrating for me. The end of the end of the yeah. game. The only hope we really had, I thought, aid was um, George Nurse's long throws, which we got a series of throws, didn't we? In that late period, you were just hoping one of them kind of bounced kindly and someone could tap it in, but it, they, they seemed to defend them quite well in the end, didn't they? Yeah, you needed one to bounce off 
Cosgrove's head or Broxham's head, <laughs> or to just hit Cosgrove somewhere and ricochet to Broxham. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that didn't happen. And uh, you know, yeah, so, yeah, that was it. There was a chance where Vassal uh, had a really good chance later on where Pierre did do a good block on him, actually, yeah, and put that out for a, for a corner um, when Morosi was already, was out of goal, really. that was I think he stopped a certain goal on that one, to be honest with you. But they only had four shots on target, um, and you know they, the game just petered out, didn't it? We didn't really threaten. They didn't really look like getting a third after that chance that um, Pierre blocked. And yeah, the final whistle went, and it was interesting for me. And I'm, I'm not entirely sure why. Sometimes I say, "Oh, there was boos," and then someone at the end will be like, "Well, that was for the referee." But there was there was there was audible boos right at the end of the game. Then there was clapping for the hard work of the ten that were on. I, could, I couldn't really get my head around why there was why there was booing. What were people booing on Saturday? Was it the ref or was it the, the fact we've continued to lose and they're still stuck in the relegation zone? I don't know. Where, why did you think the boo came from? Um, I don't know. It's an odd one, wasn't it? Just frustration. I don't yeah. know. It was that that bad. It wasn't that bad, really. no, but it was notable. I, I mean, I I sort of you know. I walked away afterwards, did clap, <laughs> wasn't interested, just wanted to get away. Um, mm. But in, in all honesty, I think it'd been pretty harsh for the uh, the time faithful to boo the team. Yeah, they were tough. I think if I was really honest again, it, it was another performance that I think you have to question, and you have to question why. It's very easy to say, yeah, 10 men, and I get all that. Yeah. But these guys are professional footballers do drills 10 against 11. Mm. Um, and it, again, against a, a Cheltenham team that wasn't that great. Yeah, there, there, there was three guys that played really well for them, wasn't there? But yeah. I think the rest of it, they, they look bang average to me. And, you know, realistically, that game, as I said, 11 men on the field, we win it quite comfortably, I think. Mm. In general, it should have been a point minimum. And it's okay for Steve to come on, like we've all said, and got uh, 20 minutes, yeah, with a better team. But what does history tell us? You know, the score on the doors is lost 2 1. And it's been so, like that all season. And yeah, I think that's, yeah. maybe I thought that's where some of the booze came from is that fundamentally, when you take away all the context of the game, that's a bad result in terms of our season. They're a team we needed to be dragging back down into a relegation battle with us because they were not good. And I'll come to Cheltenham in a minute, my thoughts on them. But it, it felt it is a bad result, isn't it, in the context of our season? Yeah. It stops a, a run building, which we were just about to start doing. It sends us into a run of hard games now on the back of a loss. It just it feels quite a bad one to me. Yeah, as I said, you know, you, you talk about that Millwall game mm. that I mentioned. You know, that was a, a you know keynote game in our progression. Yeah. I look back on this one, I think, well. Is you it know, the team out the other way? Ne- next yeah. week we could be, you know... Second bottom. Yeah. yeah. Well, crew one again. So yeah. they're only four Zero points behind us now, aren't they? So that's not ideal. Um, and in terms of Cheltenham, yeah, just my thoughts on them. I didn't yet say, we've said all the way through, I didn't think they were that good. They got lucky. But I tell you what, they had a guy called Crowley. Yeah. And then they also brought on a guy called Alfie May in the second half as a number 10. Christ, both of them had walked in our team in central midfield. And it's the sort of player, both of them... Attacking midfielders, both of them were really good, I thought. And it's just, you know, why have Cheltenham been able to recruit players like that? Why are Burton able to get Chapman? Why, you know, why have a lot of the teams around us been able to get a good number 10 attacking midfield and we didn't do it? It's, it's such a blind spot for us this season. And, and obviously with Wally being injured, we've got literally no good attacking midfielders left. On, you know, that's my view. Well, we, we know what the problem is. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We know what the problem is, I'm God. sorry. Yeah. Um, and, you know, he might have one transfer window to rectify that. He might. I don't have much faith in that, though. Yeah, I'll be honest. But yeah, yeah, that's the reason. Mm. As I said, you, you think all we want is, you know, I hate to see League One ready players have to melon, but come on, you know, there are there are guys we could have got, mm. and for whatever reason, I don't know where we were shopping, but we weren't shopping where we we're supposed to be shopping. <laughs> and all right, yeah, you get your Elliot Bennett. Wonderful. We got Leahy, wonderful. We got Nurse, wonderful. There's not enough. I wouldn't have given Udo an extended contract, but hey, he's proven me wrong. Yep. You know, Bowman 
key marks on it. But we needed four or five. We need four or five of those type. The number seventeen, as I said, the the, the guy Crowley, yeah, you good. mentioned, yeah. and, and May. But the, the rest of that Cheltenham team, I'm sorry, I don't think they're getting our team. No, not a no. chance. Them centre backs were terrible. Yeah. Like our centre backs are better than their centre backs. And it's interesting. Just before we come to our top three, but I'm mean, normally talk about Steve Cottrell. But Mike Duff, the the Cheltenham manager, in his post game interview, was saying eleven versus eleven, they're a better team than us. Mm. They're a better team than us. He was playing up, and maybe it's because you know Cottrell's his old mate, and they've yeah. got their their old boys act, and he just wants to help a manager out of a tough spot, which maybe is fair enough. But um, but he was he was pretty clear that we we are a better team than them. So again, just adds into that feeling of. Another game that we've just let go, and that's the frustration for me. But there we go. Let's talk talk about the positives anyway. We've talked about some of these players being really good, but who who was your top three today, Ed? Yeah, so uh, actually I did struggle, um, and I've sort of changed as I've gone through the day, really. But I think number <laughs> one is Leahy. Not just necessary for his, his passing, but the way he was in the team, the way he was vocal. He took command. He took leadership of that team. Yeah. And I don't know. Is it is it time for Captain Lee? I, I, I don't know. I think um, th- this part of me says, yeah, you know, we need some leaders on that pitch. He's definitely a leader. He shouts a lot of people. Um, <laughs> so that's a good one. Yeah. That G's people up. But yeah, he's certainly much more vocal than any Banks Landell, that's for sure. And um, yeah, obviously, when we named the captain, I don't think Lee was at the club at that point. No, Maybe I don't know. But. No. There we go. So, yeah, you went for Leahy, man, and what about second and third? Yeah, so number two was Udo, yep. who I thought that was probably his best game for town. Uh, I thought, again, he's starting to show his bulk and his strength. Yep. And I think the way he took the goal, the way he shimmied past the, the two defenders, and then to get the shot off, that was a finish. That's what we've been waiting for for him. That's yep. what he used to do at Telford. We need him to do that. There's a lot of pressure on the guy, but you know what? He, he delivers goods like that. With the service he got from Lee, he, wow, yeah. you know, you know, at least there's a little, you know, we're not sitting here thinking we haven't got a striker or two strikers. We have. So well done to Udo. He's brilliant. And then number three for me, it was a bit of a choice. I, you know, Ebanks, uh, Ethan Ebanks Landell. Uh, I actually thought I had a pretty decent game in a defence that wasn't that great. Mm. But you know what? That you looked at how he was doing things. Uh, you know, he had Vassell a lot of the time in his pocket, which is really good. When he did get away, then the joint third I had was Morosi because I thought he made some amazing saves yeah, on the did. day. Yeah. Kept us in the game. And he's probably kept us in terms of our goal difference from being an absolute ridiculous number. Yep. So, uh, yeah, well <laughs> well done to those three. I think there were some near misses, you know, you know, people like Bowman and, and Nurse and people like that. But yep. Yep. then you also had the other guys who, who just seemed to have shockers. So mm. I think overall as a team, it, it was quite hard to pick three, but I, think, I thought those four actually yeah. made sense. That's fine, yeah. And Ollie, we did. I did have a chat with Ollie today. Um, he still helped me put the agenda together, so he's a good lad, even though he's uh, he's probably asleep now. But um, yeah, he gave me his top three, so he went for a dough man of the match. He thought he was fantastic, um, and he went for Leahy, so just the other way around from you. And he went from Rosie third place, so very similar yeah. to us. Mine, mine were quite different, and I don't know why I kind of sometimes pick different man of the matches, but. I, I kind of like the hard work and the un, un, unrecognised sometimes. And c- because you and, and uh, you, you and Ollie have picked Lee and Ado for some good man of the match points, I wanted to recognise Vela. It was his first game back for quite a while. Been out for a while. It's obviously just getting his fitness and match fitness back. He was everywhere in the first half. And then he went to right wing back and he didn't look out of place. And he, he did a really good job at right wing back considering you know that's not his natural position. I suspect he's probably going to end up playing there on, on Tuesday night as well. But I just I thought he was quite good in the game and, and I wanted to kind of recognise his work. I went for a bow. A doe second place um, for the reasons you've mentioned good finish and I went for Bowman as my third because yeah. as I say I, I thought in that opening spell he was absolutely fantastic and he's been really good in the last few weeks um, so yeah just a bit of recognition for three other players I thought played well um, other than your top three so that was my top three on Saturday yeah. as well so 
that was good. And then, yeah, we got the... I don't know, it's come. It's become a thing with Shrewsbury Town fans, hasn't it, Aid? where you got a Shrewsbury Town loss, where's Steve Cottrell going with his post-match interview? Are we getting spiky Steve? Are we getting annoyed Steve? Are we getting, I'll be a nice guy Steve? I don't know. Um, I watched it back today. We got a... Let's be honest with you. We got a realistic Steve on Saturday, I think, would be the best thing to say. Couldn't really disagree with too much he said, and he didn't act like a dick to anyone on the bit that I've seen. So, um, although I'm in, I'm in, in, I've been informed that the extended interview, again, was not great um, with Lewis Cox, but I haven't seen it yet, so I, I'm, I'm not going to comment on that one. But, yeah, he said difficult one to take. Um, he said with 11 men, we were absolutely dominant. I, he mm. thought they were excellent. He, he really couldn't criticise the lads today, so probably fair enough for the guys that stayed on they worked the bollocks off um, and then he said yeah obviously going down to 10 makes it really difficult we only gave them one chance in the second half um, and it bloody hits the post and comes back so that's a tough one to take mentioned the double jeopardy but we've discussed that above you know mm. I, I do think that if it's deliberate then probably the referee was, was right to do that um, and then this is the big one really that we've kind of mentioned a couple of times but from nowhere really you know I didn't know where Wally was you know obviously got a knock or maybe had Covid he suddenly just drops in from nowhere, and, and Dunny has to follow, do a follow up question because yeah. he's always going to be out for a while. He was really defensive about it, and then Dunny says, "Well, what is the update? You know, what kind of injury is it?" And then he's talking about Storm Wally having a torn thigh muscle, which apparently is a very bad injury mm. and is um, between um, three to four months to come back. And it was—he's on two, four, nine games with Shrewsbury. You know, the next game was going to be his historic 250th appearance. Not many players have done that in the modern era. Do you think he'll ever play that 250th game? Do you think he'll get back by the end of the season? No. No, sad, isn't it? Terribly no. sad. No, I, I, I think that's it uh, for <sighs> him. And, and that'll be a shame. You know, to be fair, I, I don't know what the medical team are like now with Shrewsbury, yeah. so good luck to those guys. It might not be as, as what we fear, but then you think about it, so even if it's four months, you're looking at March, yeah. end of, uh, he's then going to get match fit. Is he going to play the last couple of games? Well, we might already be down then, so who knows? Um I, yeah, it's a shame. Yeah. He's, he's, you know, let's see what happens. Let's not write him off. But it, it's been a an awesome career with Shrewsbury. If yeah. that is if that is the last we've seen of him, and uh, he's been part of a a couple of really good teams, which uh, you know probably deserve better and deserve to win trophies. To be honest, but uh, mm. yeah, great servant for the club. If if that is the last we've seen, Let, let's wish him the best and hope touch with it. Yeah, I'd, well I'd like it. to think we're either down. <laughs> And we've got two games to spare, or we're we're safe with two games to spare. Yeah. And a uh, 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 Sean Wally, you can last ten minutes at the end of the game. You know, even if you still come back from his injury, we can get him on and give him that two hundred fifty appearance and make a big deal about him at the end of the season because certainly he he um, certainly deserves something from the football club. As I say, we've only had you know Langers, Matt Sadler, Granderson. They're only really the sort of big appearance holders over the last sort of ten years. We've been following the club, and um, you know Wally's got more than all them now. And yeah. you know, and some people talk about Matt Sadler being you know a manager down the line because he yeah. a lot of games for us. Well, yeah. you know why not throw Sean Wally in that mix down the line who knows but um, yeah just a terribly sad thing and I, I was quite upset when I heard the news to be honest and I think I think that was the overriding emotion from most town fans mm. on social media and, and, and listening to people as we were coming out of the game but yeah really, really upsetting and, and you know like you know pass on your best really to him I suppose we yeah, want to hopefully see him play in the blue and amber at least one more time um, that would be good um, and then because of that he said obviously with Bennett being injured I talked about him saying he'll need to put a square peg in a round hole, um, but I did put he he said we he said we might need to do that, and then I just put might 
Mm. Well, whose fault's that? <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. I assume it's either Vela or Pennington that plays there on Tuesday night, and we'll see what happens. But um, yeah, that that was the end of the interview. Really, the end of Saturday, and everyone trudged back up the motorway. I was telling you before the before the um, recording the podcast that I went up, obviously went up the M5 like everybody else, and, and banged around probably, unless you were the Kidderminster cutters across, which I'm sure a few people did. But mm. we stopped for a KFC at Warsaw, and um, there's the big village hotel there on the on on the junction. And I didn't realise this. I don't think anyone would really know. But um, I think that they obviously have people who are not in Shrewsbury come down and meet at that car park leave all their cars there and the bus picks them up because as we were coming out the KFC the town bus turned up and Cottrell and a few of the other players who obviously live north and, and maybe east and want to go on the motorways home got off and got in their cars nice nice series of cars leaving that car park aid and got home so there you go I suppose that is sensible isn't it rather than making them go all the way back to Shrewsbury and then go home I think it's the last thing you want after a, a loss <laughs> yeah like it's always been one of those things isn't it I know you know it's irked town fans in the past about you know footballers not sort of living locally and all mm. this and all that I, ooh, it, it's one of those I think uh, I think you've got to be sensible in this day and age and footballers yeah. aren't necessarily going to live within the town and, and all this and all especially when they're on short term contracts so yeah, it's 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 modern football I'm afraid it is modern football you can't work from home in that business like no. most of us so <laughs> we, there we go and I should just say you know we're, we're doing a say, new setup for recording from my house but we're in my office which is uh, quite interesting now because I live in this place so I record the podcast here I work here all day and I do the stats in here when I need to do stuff, and then that's it. The rest of the time I sleep, I think. So it's so sad, really, isn't it? Though pretty modern, modern society's come. I need to get out a bit more. But <laughs> there we go. The football gets me out, I suppose. Um, but I suppose yeah, that's that's Cheltenham, really. Um, let's look forward, Aid, a little bit before we, we round this one off. Really, we've mentioned a few times hard run, difficult run coming up. But we've got two games this week: Sunderland and Charlton, two of the bigger teams in our division. Patchy form at times this season, but generally, you know, doing doing better than we are. Um, and obviously, a game straight away on Tuesday. Do you have much hope we're going to get a win this week? I think on paper you'd look at it and go no, but football's a uh, football is a strange game. It is, yeah. and uh, you know, nothing would surprise you, wouldn't it, for us to go and beat Sunderland or get a point? Yeah. Um, and then Charlton might be the interesting one that maybe. Have we caught them at the wrong time? Mm. Um, I don't know. Um, again, let's see what happens on Tuesday. Yeah. Sunderland got a good result there. They beat Ipswich, is that right? Yeah, on Saturday? I think so, yeah. yeah. Um, so, you know, may, it's, it's still a long way to come, even with an overnight stop. Yeah. Um, who knows? I'd rather be playing them on the Tuesday than a Saturday. That's yeah. a fair point, actually. But, you know, you, you do worry where we're headed if we were to, you know, obviously lose Cheltenham and then lose these two. We're pretty much absolutely back to square one this season, as far as I'm concerned. So I do want to see us get at least something yeah. out of one of these games. And if we continue to show the battle we have in this last few games, obviously we lost Saturday, but the run before that, the, the, the Cambridge game, the gritty point at Lincoln, you know, a good performance at Stratford, there'd been signs of improvement. So we're not just throwing all that to the curb, but you know, you can't you can't just hang a whole season on three games where you haven't lost, one of which was a non-league team and one of which was Cambridge who were awful, and then go and play a team like Cheltenham not win and then lose the next two. You know, the, the wider context is we played 17 league games this season and we've barely won, a, barely won yeah. two or three games, haven't yeah. we? So yeah. um, I think that's where we've got to be at. But yeah, obviously concerned concerned about both these games this week and um, yeah, we, we will cover them next week when we get back. But I suppose, um, yeah, away from, from the week coming up, um, what did you make of our uh, FA Cup second round draw? <laughs> well... You know, you're sitting there and you're going, you know, I always go, no, you know, which is, you know, 38 Portsmouth, no, you know, that type of thing. And then it come up, Carlisle, and I shout at the television, no, you know, and then it, 
Remember 18, Shrewsbury Town. Yeah, oh, of course. Now, there's a lot of history. I'm sure some of the older guys will tell you that uh, very famous FA Cup run in the mid-60s. Oh, right. Uh, where we played uh, Carlisle three times uh, and the second replay was at Preston. Uh, and it's this famous one where I think Town are, are, are losing, I think, 2-1, and then I think we equalise very late on, oh, right. and then we end up winning the game 3-2. And Carlisle, I think, we're in the championship then. Wow. So uh, I, I'm sure a lot of our older listeners will uh, will be salivating <laughs> at that one. Uh, and I think, again, correct me if I'm wrong, guys, I think we either went on to play Leeds or it might have been the year we played Chelsea. But again, mm. I'm sure the guys will be able to, to get that right for us. So, yeah, there is a little bit of history. We've obviously got the history with the uh, off game. EFL trophy, and I think you were on the same minibus as me or in a following <laughs> car. Oh, no, I was, I, I was driving up from London. Mine, you, mine was even worse, yeah. Where I remember Mr. Wynn um, leaning out of the minibus and, and sort of giving it, whoops, giving it all this. Um, <laughs> And I was in a car behind, I was driving in my uh, blue fiesta back then. Uh, <laughs> and then we ended up going to Lancaster. Um, and I think we had a, you know, we sort of all regrouped. And then we were told it was obviously going to be played the next week. Yeah. So that was another... Went day, back up there. Another couple of days. I've lost one, didn't we? Yep. And then, obviously, the home leg. Um, that wasn't great. No. Uh, and then, obviously, Carlisle then did it to us again in, in sending us down to the conference. So yeah. there's a little bit of history there, which I'm, I'm sure we'd like to uh, mm. we'd like to get over. Um, yeah, I think it's going to be a tough one. Yeah, I It's going to so. be a tough one. Um, but they are a division below us. And, again, if you play like we did against Stratford, I know they were non-league. If we play like we did for the 23 minutes against Cheltenham... Then why yeah. on earth can't we get through? And we'll again, I think it's important we get through to the third round because I think financially it could really help us. Yeah, and it's it, you know we talk talk a wider thing. One of the, despite how tricky the last few seasons in the Ricketts and Askey have been, really, there is something that the the thing I think we've been the most proud about of our football club is the runs in the FA Cup, isn't it? Because we've had some really memorable nights in the FA Cup. The you know the game away at Stoke, the Liverpool games, you know Wolves games, the West Ham games. You know, been on telly quite a bit more than we probably normally would have been. Mm. Obviously, Stratford was on telly as well. So there's something, there's something, the FA Cup things have kind of kept the interest of a season going when they've been dreadful in the league. And, you know, to get knocked out against Carlisle in round two would really be like a marker on the way to something bad, I think. So, yeah, I'm hoping yeah. Yeah, <laughs> I'm hopefully. hoping we can go there and get a win and get ourselves in round three and just try and lift the club again with something exciting and, and get a good draw in round three and just, just build up something again. Because that has helped save us some of the times in the last few seasons, a little bit of a, a good run around the Cups. But... Yeah, I don't know. I, I will be there, Aid. I'm assuming you will you'll tre- trudge up um, there. <laughs> I don't know. I've got to take the kids to the Lake District for the uh, weekend. That's my plan. Not. <laughs> uh, no, no. You, I, I do like the FA Cup, and um, I did try and convince my wife to spend a, a couple of days in Kendall around oh, the game. Yeah. So there we go. I used to work up there in back 2014, 15. I lived in Kendall for a bit. So um, yeah, kind of a home away from home for me. But um, I don't know. It probably was about the worst draw you could have, wasn't it? I think we we went one away from Kidderminster or something as well, weren't we? Yeah, Which is you see, that would have been great, wouldn't it? <laughs> Kidderminster away, going on the train Got again, it. you know, like we did that yeah. one year. Oh well, never mind. Maybe next year. Well, we look forward to this week anyway, with some trepidation but a bit of hope as well. I'm doing a bit as soon as I log off and, and do the editing of this. I've got, got some questions to ask, uh, answer for the for the um, Sunderland fanzine. So I'm sure they'll be asking us <laughs> lots about our form this season, thinking they're going into a nice win. So I, I'll, I'll do that now. And um, yeah, we're not sure what's going to happen next week. I will be looking for a guest, and I'm not sure whether Ollie will be back yet. Um, depends how much sleep he's been getting, but. Um, Appreciate you coming on aid and filling no filling the gap Thank this week. You. It's been uh, good to catch up with you. And as I say, we, we normally get you on a couple of times a season, so we'll, we'll speak towards the end when we'll either be 
in the Doom area. We'll be thinking, thank God we got away with that, didn't we? But um, we'll, we'll see how January goes. And um, yeah, we'll, we'll catch you all next Sunday.